Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Spore the Warning podcast. This is review number 624, the review of Chemical Hearts. I'm Christopher Schneezy. And I'm Stephen Miller. And if you're joining us for the first time, the Spore the Warning podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week in the show, we're going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest films coming to a streaming platform near you. Um, or should I say, hopefully, more films are coming to a streaming platform near you. Uh, I feel like... When this pandemic started, everything started to switch to VOD, and it was like, cool, we're not able to go to the movie theaters, but we're still getting on these movies. I don't know if you've checked the release calendar lately, Stephen, but it feels like as the weeks have started progressing, starting last week, there's less and less available on VOD, and more and more that's mm-hmm. like listed as, quote, limited release, um, because all the damn movie theaters are starting to open up. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know where this podcast is going to go <laughs> moving forward. I don't know. I'm, I'm not planning on going to a movie theater anytime soon, so we're going to have to carve our own path. But there will always be VOD releases, Chris. We know this. There will yeah. always be American Pie sequels. <laughs> that, that is true. But yeah, it definitely felt like for a while there, there were some weeks where we had to actually whittle down the choices that were coming to VOD so we could pick something to do a review for. And now it's like, I guess we'll just do the one thing that is actually available to us. It's, just, it's, it's a wild world. It, it doesn't feel good. And I know we were talking before about how TIFF is still happening this year. And for the press, they get some digital version. But I don't... The movie world just feels so different this year. Like, I don't know what could possibly be playing. Like, normally by now, I would have heard, like, buzz over the, like, 10 Oscar-y type movies that are coming out. I've, yeah. I have no clue. I have no clue what the rest of the year looks like. All I know is... um. Charlie Kaufman has his new movie coming out. Going to watch the shit out of that. <laughs> Bill and Ted. <laughs> Going to watch the shit out of that. Um, that's about it. We got, that's where we got Mulan coming out. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll watch Mulan. Fuck yeah. yeah. $30. I don't care. Yeah. Or as I like to call it, Moolah. Because of, ah. of the 30 bucks, you know. <laughs> yep. But like I- it. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I mean, so there's definitely things coming up in the next few weeks, but it's going to be interesting to see if there's a whole redoubling down of closing all the theaters again in a few weeks when everybody starts uh, having cases spike of COVID again and everywhere that they release Tenet. Um, it's going to be, yeah, yeah. I'm not, not looking forward to it. Me neither. But here we are. Maybe we're going to start being like, we'll start reviewing shaky movie theater footage of other movies. <laughs> like, the, you know, those assholes who record in theaters. <laughs> I have, yeah. I definitely in the past have watched those like long ago in the past. Um, if I'm allowed to legally say that. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I definitely don't. It, it's, it's not worth it enough in this current time. Right. Most of the times that I have done that, it has been in emergency cases where like, I just couldn't see it. And you know, wanted to late at night one time just to fit it in. Um, but yeah, it's not, it's not worth it to also, I mean, there's probably people in that footage, the back of their head who are going to contract COVID and then it just makes it like a weird dark experience. Yeah, then it's like a snuff film. <laughs> I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah. Not a fan. I, I've actually never even pirated a movie. That That's the true fact. Like, like I haven't even watched a pirated version of a movie. That, that feels like a lie. No, it's true. It's true. I haven't. For some reason, Torrent has always scared me, and I've just never done it. Um, the only time I came close was my holy grail was to watch The Real Cancun, which was a real-world movie <laughs> that came out when I was too young to be allowed to see it. And it was supposed to be like spring break. Oh, shit. People are having sex and drinking and doing drugs. And it was like... 
at the time it was the unobtainable movie for me like the this is such an adult crazy movie and when i was like 22 my friends and i were talking we were like we could just fucking watch that like i bet we could watch it and i couldn't find it anywhere and i almost torrented it but i didn't (laughs) well at least you have your morals (laughs) yep there was a as long as we're diving into the the psyche of being like a young Christian kid who is aware of bad movies but not allowed to watch them. Um, there was a website that I forget the name, but it was for parents to read, and it had like detailed synopses of all the reasons a movie was rated R. Like yeah, yeah. Whoever wrote that must like write erotic fiction because they were very detailed. <laughs> and I would occasionally read them and just imagine getting to watch the movie, um, and that was my life. Until the one year that that girl transferred in from another high school and joined you in the school newspaper. Yeah, that changed everything. (laughs) When Grace came to town. Cool. Well, uh, what do you say, Stephen? We get into our review of Chemical Hearts. Let's do it. All right. We're going to take a listen to the trailer for Chemical Hearts, and then we're going to come back and give you that review. You are never more alive than when you're a teenager. Your brain is flush with chemicals that can turn your life into a story of epic proportions. And yet, by the start of my senior year, nothing interesting had ever happened to me. Then, something finally happened. Hi guys, come on in. Grace just transferred here from East River. I think you'll make a truly dynamic editor-in-chief, do you will. I'll help with editing and design, just not writing. Hey, why'd you give up writing? I was asked to write something about someone really important to me, but I just couldn't find the words. It's funny, because I can't find the words when I talk, and you can't find the words when you write. Have you ever had a girlfriend? No. Why not? I don't know, I'm not really good at this stuff. I feel like I don't know anything about you. I used to be good at socializing. What changed? Nine months ago, car swerved coming around a bend and flipped. You look, um... Thoughty? I was gonna say hot. Hey, Grace. Just wanna say hi. And that hope last night just kinda meant a tiny fraction to you as it meant to me. That was dumb. Teenage years are limbo. Is that your mom? No. Yeah, it doesn't matter. The world tells you to express yourself, but the minute that you do, it tells you to shut up. Just ask her what's going on. You're right. I don't know like how I'm supposed to help. I messed up, Henry. I'm just okay. No, it's not when you realize you can't fix me. It's regular stuff. You are not going to understand. We're not regular people. No, are you kidding me? Your relationship's been perfect since you were like my age. There's a reason why when every adult talks about young people, they can't avoid the truth. Stop leading me on. I'm confused, Henry. I don't know. I know. I've known since like the very beginning. That being young is so painful. It's almost too much to feel. All right, so that was the trailer for Chemical Hearts. Um, it is basically about a young high schooler um, who is, you know, has big dr- aspirational dreams of becoming a writer and works his way into the school newspaper and meets a uh, transfer from another high school. And uh, it's all kind of about his 
uh, time and experience interacting with this young woman from another school. Stephen Miller, what did you think of Chemical Hearts? Chris, uh, this weekend I learned that you either die a supporting player in Paper Towns or you live long <laughs> enough to start your own generic cereal in a plastic bag, just like on the bottom of the shelf version of Paper Towns. Um, five years have gone by. Austin Abrams is still a high school senior hoping to get laid. Attractive girls still have terrible secrets that are hiding that only you can fix if you're willing to remember where they go when they're lonely and run to them. All the cool kids still <laughs> listen to music from exactly 2010 for some reason. Um, I, I hope you like this movie because I didn't like this movie. <laughs> and it'll make me feel better if somebody likes this movie. Um, I don't know. It's just a it's very predictable and very generic like like this hits all of the tropes of the young adult graduating high school movie and there's something about it that for some reason felt particularly irritating to me this time around just because of how cool it tries to be and how heavily it feels like it's telegraphing its themes i i feel like wait steven are you telling me that a person with a hobby of putting together broken vases <laughs> might actually want to put together broken people. <laughs> yeah, I know. We, we both, when we were watching it, were like, don't say it. Don't say it out loud. <laughs> um, <laughs> also, when will movies and TV shows ever discover a poet who isn't Pablo Neruda? I feel like he's just like the one who is the shorthand for like, I'm a romantic person. Ever since Ted Mosby fell in <laughs> love with that one dude pretending to be uh, his, his girlfriend in that episode of How I Met Your Mother. Um, yeah, I don't know. This, this movie was just very nothing to me. It, it was very muddled to me, I thought, because it, from the trailer, it seems like we have a writer in Austin Abrams. We have a former writer um, in Lily Reinhardt's Grace. They are going to meet each other and kind of open each other up, unlock each other's secrets. They're going to make each other better. He'll help her through trauma. There will be healing and it will be a meditation on, you know, the difficulty of being a teenager and how to make it through. I feel like after like deciding that was what the movie was about, they forgot to do it or at least forgot <laughs> to do it in a way that <laughs> meant anything. I feel like, I don't know, they, like the actors are all fine here, but I feel like like the character of Grace just swerves between being cool and completely fine to being like wildly not okay and there's very little connective tissue between those two versions of her and the the lead character um henry page who also page writer last name page come on yeah come on girl from another town grace towns yeah it's page in town it's basically paper town again like they're, they're just shoving it in our face um, but there's just he I feel like doesn't really have a personality. He's kind of a stand in for all of the introspective, like I'm not cool, but I'm, you know, thoughtful and shy characters that we're used to from these young adult movies. And I just felt, I, I, I didn't feel like anyone would want to spend time with him, including me. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I don't know. It, it, it wasn't a movie that made me angry. It just, I kept waiting for something to happen. That wasn't the like, complete color by numbers version of this like YA story and nothing ever happened that swerved from that at all. It was, it was all just very, very, very predictable. And I didn't feel like it did a good job. And then the way it shoehorns the love and sadness are just chemicals, man, it's all chemicals in your brain. That felt like 
like an afterthought. Like I know it's based on a novel um, and presumably the novel goes into that uh, by Crystal Sutherland in like a little bit more depth, but this just felt like someone like saw half of a Ted talk and is like, all right, I'm going to put that in my movie. <laughs> that This is neuroscience. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. I found it annoying. Um, I like zoomer Ed Sheeran, his best friend. He's, he's cool. He'll, he'll be in stuff <laughs> in the future. I feel like Yeah. <laughs> the lesbian couple was kind of cute. Like I, I like the zoomer energy at least that this is like more, they're more cool and more like open and queer and like culturally like into different stuff than I feel like people 10 years ago in these movies would have been, but didn't like it. Was, wasn't a fan. Yeah. I wish Steven that I could tell you, I really, really love this movie <laughs> just so that we could have a good uh, back and forth dialogue about it. Um, but I didn't, uh, I think I think some of the stuff that annoyed you is 100% on purpose. Like I think what this film is trying to show you is that the the reasons behind the normal relationships in most of these type of films that you watch are uh, it's never as complicated as they want it to be in another film. Like this is like w- relationships are really really complicated and sometimes the the outcome should be easy, but the weight for the events that you're dealing with are so heavy that it's just hard to get over. And I think that what this film is trying to do is showing you that like, this is his first love. And for him, like there, there's a scene it's, it's in the trailer where she's like, I just don't know. And he's like, I've known from the first moment I met you. Right. And, and it's, it's, this film is trying to explain why like those lines don't mean anything. Life is more complicated. And even if I want mm-hmm. to choose something, my backstory may prevent me from wanting to choose that um, or at least make it very, very difficult to make that choice and make actions in another direction. And I think this film is, is kind of good at showing how complicated young love is. Um, so I sort of half applaud it for trying to do that and somewhat kind of succeeding at moments in, in doing that. Um, but I think this film's real problem is not anything about these two characters or even really the technical story that they're going for. But I think the problem is that the rest of this film doesn't exist. They're like the, all of the side characters are not even there. Like the, this whole thing center centers around uh, like, so Henry page is at the start of this film, he's writing a letter to get into uh, to get into the the school newspaper. Like it, it's, it's like his audition. He's writing a letter. It starts the way yeah. other films start with writing a college acceptance or admittance letter, right? It, it's somebody trying right. to sell themselves. This could be me and Earl and the dying girl. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's somebody trying to say like, Hey, here are all the reasons why I am worthy of having this job writing for you. The transfer from other school just gets thrown into the job and she keeps constantly saying that she doesn't want to have anything to do with writing. So it's like, well, what was the opening scene other than bookends to the story where our narrator can do the only example of his writing in the entire film, which is the beginning and the end of this film. It goes back to my complaint about most of our films where somebody's supposed to be really, really good or super into something and you never see them use that skill or passion ever at all. Um, so this film kind of had that kind of problem, but I think in general, there is no, there's, there's no, there's nothing happening outside of these two characters experience and all of the char- characters are 
they are paper people for this paper town, right? They, they don't exist. They yeah. have no backstory. They don't even have agency in this story. It's just two people who are sort of going through a thing and you get little moments where they try to fill in some backstory, but ultimately the characters themselves don't care about their existence in the story. Um, they don't, they don't take actions that change the trajectory of anything. They just sort of exist. And I, I felt that was a very strange thing for this film to do because it feels like really like this feels like the first pass of a movie, right? Like what we did first is come up with the, the trajectory of the two main characters and put them on a path to accomplish some goal or not accomplish a goal or do whatever to go on a journey. And then you take a second pass through and you write all the ancillary characters and give them life and, and something to do. And this film just completely skipped that step and was like, Oh no, I mean, there's people there cause it's a school, but, uh, like nothing is really going on. And that bothered me so much. And also this is a school newspaper who puts out four issues a year. Mm -hmm. And there's never a scene where anybody's writing anything of wait, like cool. They come up with a theme of our fourth issue is going to be limbo. But like, there's literally scenes when they're, when they're quote doing journalism stuff, which is like, huh, should I make this title bigger? Or, or we don't need a subheading right there, right? Oh, just let me do yeah, like that. Yeah, he doesn't care at all about how, like, actually making a school paper would have worked. Yeah, yeah. And, like, at the end of the film, he's writing something in the final issue. And at the end, he hits return. And then the movie ends, right? But there's, there's no, there, like, yeah. he hasn't learned anything, really. Um, like, the, you know, we, we were joking before the episode started about how this film is completely from the boy's point of view, but the IMDb description explains it as though this film is from uh, the girl's POV. And I think that, like, she, she is the only one that has a real journey that she's going on. He sort of is at the same spot at the beginning and at the end of the film, and he sort of doesn't understand how the world works because he hasn't done this before. Uh, but I feel like there's nothing... There's nothing going on. So I, I, I like the attempts to show how complicated relationships can be, but I, I feel like the film itself is not striving to say much or do much of anything. But I think that those interactions between the two of them do feel genuine. And that kind mm -hmm. of carried me through the movie as I just kind of like held on to like a boogie board with like a little one foot wave as I just rode this little like... <laughs> I don't know where that metaphor is going, but <laughs> yeah, well, I, I couldn't write it. I don't know. I, <laughs> I like everything you're saying is basically how I feel, which is like that, that bit in Arrested Development in like a later season where, where they're talking about, I, I forget. It's like, there's, there's no problem with downsizing. And then like someone walks in and opens a cabinet and pulls out like the one granola bar that's in the cabinet, Yeah, yeah. you know? Um, this kind of felt like that where they have the the critical path and then they don't do anything else and that would be kind of okay for me if the critical path were interesting but it isn't like it it actually kind of annoyed me i i feel like the things they talk about in this movie are being a teenager is really difficult and confusing you're caught between childhood and adulthood you don't know where you fit you don't know how to grapple with the world yet um People are haunted by dark thoughts. You know, there are many books about suicide, like Romeo and Juliet, uh, Catcher in the Rye, Young Werther, and we're going to dive into those ideas. But it isn't about any of that. Like, it, I feel like it doesn't say anything about the things it claims to be talking about. Um, what it is doing instead is having, and I, this is probably in the trailer, so hopefully it isn't 
too spoilery, having Grace be grieving a person who died, the details of which we only barely learn more of, and the shape that her grief takes is like not, as far as I can tell, a realistic or interesting idea of grief and healing. It's just like sometimes she will disappear without warning and be screaming and be crying and that's all she is you know she's just like a a bunch of feelings and you the stoic guy have to stand there and be like a good friend and not say anything and like that is the best you can do and it i don't know i I found it annoying i like like i felt like if you are going to tackle trauma and grief and suicidal ideation and things like that you should have more to say at least about the main characters than that um yeah well, I I will say I also was. Uh, oh, go ahead. I I will just say that the one thing this film does interestingly, and I'll try to talk around it a little bit, is that uh, we we know that she's dealing with this grief, and we know that it's obviously going to be a potential blocker for this relationship, but we don't have a lot of context for how deeply she is embedded within the world of this grief. And I think that when that is finally revealed, I think that is pretty impactful. Like it does, it does show a level of why it's not easy to just go like, Oh no, it's cool. I want this other thing. Like (laughs) the, where, where she literally has put herself, um, to experience this stuff. I thought that was kind of interesting. And then if I wanted to give a charitable, uh, read to, (laughs) <laughs> like s- some of the times where she was escaping, because obviously some of the times she's escaping is she's escaping back into the world that she's put herself in. But there is one time where we see her, um, it's in the trailer where she's like running, she's attempting to run on a track. Um, and yeah. I assume that, that her injury is part of the manifestation of the memory that she's trying to right. get rid of. And if she can like walk normally without her crutch, then it's easier to s- literally step away from part of that trauma. Um, so that's my that's my charitable attempt at why that scene is important. <laughs> sure, no, it, it, it's fine. The, what I found weird about that scene is, um, is that he's just creeping from underneath the bleachers. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm forgetting his name's Henry. Yeah, so Henry comes there because his friend said, "You got to go. She's acting really weird." But she's not. She's like, she has a limp and she's trying to run and she's getting frustrated that she can't run. Like, I don't feel like that's that weird a thing to do. Um, Like, Henry is a total creep in this movie. And there are multiple times where I feel like he completely violates her privacy. Um, He doesn't always even ever cop to the fact that he did it. And it's strange that the movie kind of... if not rewards him, it clearly, like, lets him off the hook for that behavior. Like, he is the the good friend who helped her through all of this. And it doesn't question, like, did you have a right to do those things? You know, like, yeah. was that yours to take? Um, like, like, the first time that he follows her to a certain location, if he would have revealed himself and said, like, hey, sorry, I followed you here. What's the deal with all the... Why do you come here? at least that would have been like everything's out in the open and you can, you can have a little mini breakdown of like, why did you follow me? I didn't want you to see this sort of thing. And you can deal with it in the moment and then you can move forward from it from there. But yeah, when he's like, (laughs) when he's not so slyly creeping around (laughs) from different places, it's definitely a little weird. I kept wanting her to like turn and see him like in a horror movie. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, I don't know. I like like every scene in this movie made me want another movie that I feel like did the same thing better. Like when they're at the party and there's multiple things happening. Like there's a friend who wants to get with another girl. There is a, like this awkward situation taking place. Like if we're going to be in an unrealistic high school party that looks like a frat party, but like cooler than any frat party, like, I don't know, give me book smart. Like give, give me a movie that actually does that <laughs> yeah, and steers I, into it. Um, in, including even the like lesbian uh, crush scene. Um, or if you're going to have people just kind of like hanging out and being more naturalistic, give me like big time adolescence, give me the heart and the feeling and don't layer on the melodrama. Or if you're going to layer on melodrama, give me like a John Green novel turned into a movie. Like the reason Paper Towns worked is the, the heart is actually good in that movie. Like I feel like it's in the right place and the dialogue is pretty good. Like it, it's well written. It's well thought out. The character, like the journey they go on fits. And this just felt like a kind of half-assed version of those movies to me. Like it didn't ever really rise to the challenge. And that frustrated me because it's dabbling with very serious material. I also feel like I was going to ask this before. Have you ever seen a movie where the genders are flipped in this story? Like where the guy is the person who is like inscrutable and dealing with something and the female protagonist wants to save him. Cause I feel like it's 2020. Like we should be getting that story by now, <laughs> but it almost always is like the, the beautiful damsel in distress and the like reclusive dude who's the only one who can understand her. Yeah. Yeah. I can't think of one off the top of my head. Like, I guess kind of spectacular now, but that, like, that still follows Miles Teller. That's not following, I don't know. Yeah. It, it just seems weird to me because that's such a cliche, like a very, like, Manic Pixie Dream Girl cliche to still be doing, especially now in, like, Zoomer years when I feel like they should be, like, bucking all the trends and going their own way. Yeah. She's, she's not really a Manic Pixie Dream Girl, though, right? She's sort of, like, uh, a depressed, uh, like... Yeah, I'm... Definitely abusing that word. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Nathan Raven. Um, <laughs> the, yeah, d definitely not Manic or Pixie. It's the, the girl who, it's the idea of a, a character who you think can save you so you will ignore all the emotional turmoil issues that she has not dealt with in her own life yet. And, like, there's something about that that feels very condescending to me like the idea that that is the right dynamic to have is like i love her and it doesn't matter that she never lets me in and that sometimes she throws on dresses and runs to this place <laughs> like i don't know there, there's something like that is meant to be loving about it that feels kind of condescending instead when people tell that story yeah so there there are two things that i do want to talk about uh one is how the grief is manifested in, in the early parts of this film, um, which honestly kind of bothered me a little bit. Um, mm. I think, like, obviously, this is a young girl who walks with a cane and one of her legs is not fully functioning. Um, and she doesn't want to drive in cars. Right. So, and she can dance. So, yeah. So, without getting too spoilery, Obviously, in some capacity, she was involved in some sort of automobile accident. It's safe to say. Uh, you can kind of figure that out instantly. Um, <laughs> my problem is 
if I'll give you an analogy. Uh, a year ago, whatever it was, I had a bad spill on a boosted board, right? I flew over the top of a car um, and it hurt a lot. I was totally fine, um, but it was like it was de it definitely scared me, right? It was I was a little afraid to ride the skateboard um for a while after that because i took a really bad spill that could have been like really really bad but i walked away there fine i wouldn't go well i don't want to ride it but i'll sit on the back of it while you ride it steven let's go for a ride right like that doesn't make sense yeah. i feel like if you were involved like like if you are scared well, and also let's heighten the analogy more let's say a year ago you also weren't the one driving the boosted board <laughs> yeah, true but i but i but i mean but before you even before you even have that much of a context i feel like if you were scared of being in an automobile you wouldn't be okay with being a passenger that just wouldn't happen like you don't right. you don't you 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 can't you can't just like compartmentalize that type of trauma to go like, well, you know what? I mean, we can totally go for a ride, but I'm just not going to be the one driving. And then as you hinted at just now in the real story, her backstory, she was also not driving. So she definitely wouldn't yeah. want to be the passenger, especially not with a potential love interest. <laughs> like, right. It I just, know. that, that was so, that was so frustrating to me that like, cause I, 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 my head was going all kinds of places and I was, I I wanted to ex ex like expect that she was driving and was maybe at fault and maybe hurt somebody in another vehicle. Like there's a lot of places you could go that would make her be like, I will not get behind the wheel of a car. Maybe she was drunk. Um, you know, maybe this is another earth and she's like just all of her yeah. regret stems from like killing somebody after one night of drinking. Um, but I, I, I feel like, uh, which is the very opening of that film. So it's not a spoiler and everybody should go watch that movie because it's great. But anyways, like it, it's, there's a lot of places where it could go where you could understand why her, her, like her guilt and her trauma would prevent her from wanting to be in a car. But I feel like this, <laughs> her, the, the rationale of like, well, I'll totally go for a drive with you. I just, I, 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 I can't drive is just, it, it felt very, very strange to me. And it kind of, uh, it, it felt like a weird way to handle that backstory. Yeah. No, I thought that was weird too. And I also felt like the Henry, by virtue of those scenes, he's already kind of like a huge douchebag as far as I can tell, because he's making this girl <laughs> with a cane who does not want to drive, take him home so she can then walk home and make someone else pick up the car later. Yeah. Like, how is he okay with that? Like more than once, like just over and over again asking, like, doesn't that feel very invasive? Well, like, the, the, the other he dumb supposedly thing... cares about her, but he never once just says like, Oh yeah, I could walk home because you're walking. The, the, the real dumb thing too is like, leave the car at his house and walk there in the morning and he can drive you both to school. Like <laughs> you, True, yeah. you can make this a mutually beneficial thing. And it could be like your drive time together, right? It just, it's, yeah. it felt like that was just supposed to be like a weird quirk of hers that made like the family curious about, oh, who's this girl who just leaves the car in front of the house? That's so weird. Yeah. So like, like, I just don't know if I'm, if I'm Austin Abrams and I don't feel like hoofing it from her place 
home. Why am I okay with her driving to my place and then hoofing it in a cane back home? <laughs> like, like yeah. I should just feel like strictly worse about that. I mean, the first time he obviously didn't know she was going to walk home, right? Right. Yeah. Um, he and then she just walks home. And he's like, oh, uh, OK, cool. And then the second time he's being a douchebag. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then he just keeps doing it. <laughs> I know this is a weird nitpick, but like I did check. And like, cause the, there's a few like big songs in this movie, mostly like a beach house song, which also I do not believe the emotional like turn that happens regarding that song in, in this movie. That's one of those things that feels like I get when it was written that it would be like a meaningful way to talk about trauma. But in the moment it just fell flat to me. Um, but there's like all those songs were literally like when I was in college, those songs were cool. <laughs> and, I, and I went back and listened, like I looked at the soundtrack to Paper Towns and it was the same way. Like most of the songs were from like 2010. So I feel like all these movies are being made by people who are like in our generation who are like, yeah, this stuff still like rocks. This is still what all the cool kids would listen to. Well, they're making it true to when they were that age. <laughs> yeah. But it, it's set in modern day. I don't know. It, it feels like it wouldn't be that hard to just like make it, post malone or something else i don't know <laughs> maybe it's about how much it costs to get rights to some of those songs <laughs> mm, mm -hmm. i want it to feel like this what else you got from like maybe 10 years ago <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah the next thing that i kind of want to talk about which is another thing that i might have to kind of dance around to not get too spoilery but uh <laughs> you sort of jokingly talked about a dress scene um and that scene i think is probably my least favorite scene in the entire film um yeah there is this is where like things break down um and you kind of get like the full dump of emotion to experience and there's a certain line she says um and i'm gonna i'm gonna bleep out some of the words uh but so but steven at least don't want to talk about it. she says i was gonna <laughs> and <laughs> No, you weren't. <laughs> like, why are you buying that when yeah, you're you in were high 17? School? Yeah, like, like you don't have any context for that. And, and I don't know, something about that made me so mad. And obviously, I assume that's supposed to give us a heightened uh, theory of maybe why she was going to that place. Um, yeah. And maybe intention she might have had um, if he were not to heroically come running there. Uh, but mm. I, it just, it seemed like such a weird, it, it was just another example of many lines in this film that feel like somebody wrote them because they think they should be in films like this and not because they had real emotion or thought or meaning behind them. Yeah. Yeah. It also like, I don't know if you ever had to read great expectations, but that there's like strong Miss Havisham vibes of just like the the crazy old lady who wears her like tattered wedding dress. Um, I didn't like it. I, I felt like it didn't do justice to her character. Like, again, I understand people can be dealing with things and not everyone is clean about the way that they grieve. You know, sometimes it could be a breakdown. It just felt she toes this line in that scene between I am having a breakdown to I am completely lucid and talking you through what I'm feeling. And it just I didn't like it at all. I felt like, and not only that, but like earlier in the movie, there's a scene where he is running to go find her. And I, I turned to Joanna and I was like, all right, is he going to the factory or going to the roadside? And, and then like, he went to a different place. And then like 
20 minutes later, he's running to find her again. And it was like, all right, factory or roadside. Like it, <laughs> it's just such a cliche. Like, you know, when they tee up a location that it's going to come up later in the movie as the thing only he knows. Yeah. Um, so but that, I don't know why I'm so down on the cliches of this movie. Like plenty of these movies are cliched, but for some reason, this one felt like very formulaic in a way that was kind of cynical to me. Yeah. So let me ask you a question that I always think about in all of these type of films. I don't know if I brought it up in Paper Towns, but Paper Towns has a similar sort of thing. So the factory itself as a trope of these type of films, in, in all mm. these films, all these YA type films, young kids like to go into abandoned places um, as if it's just totally safe, right? <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, as if there isn't someone like doing meth yeah. right next to you. <laughs> like as a full-on grown adult, I'm a grown-ass man, right? I just turned 37. Um, I, I'm not going to go into an abandoned water factory or whatever the hell this place Especially was. Especially not till nightfall. Yeah, for sure. And I, I remember that too, watching Paper Towns where they're like, oh yeah, I mean, all the windows are boarded up. And this place looks like nobody's been in it for a long ass time. But let me just kick in this little piece of glass and crawl inside it. Like, no, don't go in there. What is wrong with you? Yeah. Also, if I'm in an abandoned factory with like a pool of sitting water, I'm not going in there. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's no way that is like healthy St to Steven, like, just the, put your body in. The koi fish, uh, they, they keep it clean. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> It's, it's definitely oh, some... I forgot about the koi fish already. I forgot that they were in there, too. <laughs> oh, yeah, Stephen. Symbolism. Also, how... How does paper burn? Because <laughs> there, there's a moment at the end of this movie that implies that paper burns very differently than I believe it burns. No, so what I think is... I, I, I honestly think that... Um, <laughs> I think it was a, a, a scene that was meant to be funny and then it wasn't working. So they edited it differently. My assumption is there was an attempted burning, which didn't quite succeed, which turned into tearing up. Like I, mm -hmm. I, that, that's kind of my impression of that is, is like somebody trying to burn something and it won't burn. So then them just getting frustrated and tearing it up into a bunch of pieces. Yeah. Okay. The, the broken vase stuff really, I don't, that just took it to a whole other level of predictable for me. Yeah. I was uh, not a fan. <laughs> He's also working on that one for a very long time. <laughs> just like he was working on that girl for a very long time. A year of high school goes by over the course of this movie. And I think their relationship is only like three months of that year. But there's like a long montage where the rest of his time is going by and it's like one piece every three months or something that he adds to it. Yeah, you know what would have just solved all the problems of this movie is if this was a film that took place either between junior and senior year or between high school and college and she moved in next door to him and then they could be alone there doesn't need to be a whole school full of people that don't actually exist or do anything important to the story. It could just be him interacting with this girl next door and them doing everything else that they do on their own the same, but you eliminate the rest of the need for trying to 
provide backstory for the other kids that they failed to do in this film. And I think that like mm-hmm. basically the story could be exactly the same and it could be about the summer before he went on to college. And then like all those other stories, he would have this relationship stuff to take into his first year of college and you could end with him hopefully walking onto campus for the first time. And like, you know, like, could you, yeah. I don't know. It seems like it solves a lot of the problems that this film has. If you just do that. Yep. No, it would definitely help. Cool. Well, uh, <laughs> what do you say we help this episode along towards the end and get to our verdict, Stephen? Sure. All right, Stephen Miller, if you're going to say must-see, reckon with the caveat, wait for rental, pass with the caveat, or a must-avoid, what would you give it? If I were being fair, I would go pass with the caveat, but I haven't been mean in a while, and I just want to be mean today. So I'm, I'm giving this a full-on must-avoid. Um, I feel like... It has been five years, and this movie literally does everything worse than Paper Towns did it. Like, I think um, the lead, Austin Abrams, is strictly worse than Nat Wolf was. The, like, Instagram star co-lead, Lily Reinhardt, I think her character is given way less to do than Cara Delevingne was back then. Um, I think the dialogue is nowhere near as good as that movie was. I think the visuals don't have much to offer. It, it just feels kind of cynical it falls flat. It, it doesn't do anything and it's very predictable and not in the good heartwarming way. It was just in the kind of waste of time way. So I, I I didn't think it had anything to recommend it. And I'm sure every generation needs one of these movies. So it's fine that they keep regurgitating them every year or two. But for me, this one really didn't work. And I was sad because I usually am pretty touchy feely when it comes to these like coming of age movies. But I also stop casting people who are like 24 to play high school seniors. I know it's not that big a difference, but it does start to feel weird after a while. Like they're all way too precocious. <laughs> I mean, it's better than them having a littler sister who is even more precocious than they are. Yeah. Oh God. Speaking of sisters, I didn't even rant to you about that scene where his fucking sister, like adult sister comes into his room and just bursts out crying in this like, <laughs> I'm auditioning for the school play yeah. melodramatic. Let way. me explain to you that being heartbroken is literally like having your heart broken and it's the exact same pain. Your brain takes signals yeah. from your emotions and turns them into physical signals of the body that make you think you're dying. So mm-hmm. that's why it hurts so bad to be broken up with. <laughs> yeah. And that's why if you only buy these crystals I'm selling, you can, <laughs> you can fix the chemical chakra. That would have been great if that was just the thesis of this movie. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I am not going to be as mean as you. Not because I think this film is great, uh, (laughs) because it's not, um, but because I, I I mean, I'll I'll, I'll be I'll be fully honest. I I watched this with Jamie and we talked through the whole movie. (laughs) So there was an added level of enjoyment uh, by us just talking through everything that was happening. Um, another benefit of watching at home and not having to be in a theater. Uh, but, yeah. but yeah, so I, I'm going to give it a... Were you pa- talking about the movie or you were just having a conversation? Oh, no, we, we, we were talking about the movie. Um, okay. Uh, obviously, she is a teacher of students who could be these students, so there's a lot of fodder for... Uh, we theorized that you might enjoy this movie slightly more because of that dynamic, depending on how you watched it. Yeah, so... So there, there is definitely a way to talk about um, this that comes with added benefit that doesn't actually belong to the film itself, which just belongs to the realities of the real world. Um, so I'm going to give it a pass with a caveat. 
Um, I definitely, I, d- I definitely texted Steven, uh, the trailer to this movie on Friday and was like, so we're going to cry this weekend. And there were no tears in this film, un- unfortunately. Yeah. So, uh, I didn't cry, didn't live up to expectations. So, and I cry at all kinds of shit. <laughs> so oh, yeah. that, that tells you how this film missed the mark. I plan on crying in Bill and Ted next week. <laughs> I, I probably will too. Cause it'll be so excellent. So. Um, but yeah, I think that's going to do it for this episode of the spoiler warning podcast. Stephen Miller, if people want to find you throughout the week, where is it that they can do that? Uh, well, if you were my good, good, good friend, you would know where to find me when I disappear <laughs> and you would come running after me just in the nick of time. Um, now you can find me at twitter.com slash S David Miller or S People can find me at ChristopherInRealLife.com or Twitter.com slash ChristopherIRL. You can find the podcast over at TheSpoilerWarning.com where you can get a bunch of the back episodes of the show. If you want to subscribe to the show, you can do so on Overcast, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever podcasts are found. Yeah, if you want to know when the episodes go live, you can follow us at Twitter.com slash SpoilerWarning, Facebook.com slash TheSpoilerWarning, or Instagram.com slash TheSpoilerWarning. If you want to get a hold of us directly, you can send an email to fans at TheSpoilerWarning.com, or you can use the contact form on our site. Music for this uh, episode will come from the soundtrack to Chemical Hearts, so hopefully you are enjoying that. It's got to be that Beach House song, I guess. <laughs> is, that, is that the one that he puts on the poorly timed yeah. playlist? Okay. Um, exactly. There is a score, but I can find that song, I guess. <laughs> uh, yeah. But yeah, that's it for this week. Next week, I think as we were getting ready to record this episode, we talked ourselves into a triple review of uh, the, the the Bill and Ted trilogy. So get ready yep. for that. That should be pretty fun. Hell yeah. We're just working up to our niner. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> All right. Talk to you guys later. Bye. Later. <laughs>